Welcome to episode 59 of The Process. Give your all. Welcome to episode 59 of the Process Podcast. I am Quavon Taylor. And I am Amante Martin. Today we have Miss LaCaris Salto on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, LaCaris. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Pleasure to be here. Can you tell the listeners where you're from? I am from the one and only Tallahassee, Florida. Tallahassee, 850. What was it like growing up there? It was, it was pretty simple. You know, I didn't get, I didn't get into trouble. hung around the right people. We had some things that happened while I was growing up. Saw a lot of things. You know, grew up around a lot of people. So, but other than that, it was a great place to be. Loved it. So, when did you get uh, involved with basketball? When did you start playing ball? I started playing ball for FAMU High when I was in sixth grade. I played JV and varsity, and from there on, I was playing until in eighth grade I was on varsity full time. So since middle school. Yeah. What was it like, you know, playing for FAMU High and, and winning a state championship for FAMU High? It was great. We had a coach. He played Florida State and the Boston Celtics and his staff. They were amazing. We also learned a lot from Coach LaDonna at FAMU. We went to their practices. We watched them practice. We actually worked out with some of their girls and some of their practice players. So it was, it was a great environment. It really taught us kind of the college field at an early age. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed winning two state championships with my team. There were some great years there. We had some great seasons. And it, it really helped me become the player that I am today. So going through that whole process, you know, winning two state championships, uh, what was that recruiting process like for you? Recruiting came really when I started playing travel basketball. And it was crazy at first. I was getting letters left and right. I'm thinking, oh, okay, I'm going to this school, that school. I didn't even know the whole background information about getting recruited with coaches, different coaches offering you this and that, the requirements, the do's and don'ts. So it was a crazy process for me. About the time when I got to my junior year, I really understood it and I was able to make my decision to the college of my choice off of like 
facts that I knew as far as like the school, the team, and the coaches. So why did you choose Mississippi State? Mississippi State really reminded me of Tallahassee. It, it really reminded me where I'm from. Uh, I spent a lot of my time growing up in Bluntstown, Florida, which is kind of like the country. I used to go there almost every weekend with my cousins and Stark goes the same way. You're walking down the street, everybody's saying, hey, waving at you. Small town, everyone knows everyone. The university was the center of the school, so we all supported each other and we said family. We meant that. We were actually a family. And it was a great environment. The coach, he coached someone similar to me. He had won a national championship previously at Texas A&M. So it, to me, it felt right compared to the other schools that I had. How was your transition from Tallahassee to Starkville? I think it was like anybody's transition when you first going from high school to college. You're nervous. You don't know what to expect. Um, there was a big difference because Tallahassee is a big city. We have more stuff. You know, up there, they don't have Guthrie's. They don't have the gut box. They have none of that. They had like Chick-fil-A, Zaxby's. They didn't have what we used to like go to Corral old times. It was just like other stuff, like college town stuff. Everybody has pizza, everybody has all of that. The living was different. You know, I was used to staying with my parents. I'm staying with someone I don't know. We're total opposites. Like it, it was a big adjustment. And you're talking about waking up at six o'clock in the morning just to work out. In high school, we didn't do that. We went to school and practiced afterwards. You're talking about waking up at six o'clock in the morning, having conditioning or weights, and going throughout your whole day, going to class, and then coming back from practice and stuff like that. So it was a big transition. But when I got the hang of it, it became pretty normal and an everyday thing. So moving from high school ball and then you going to college ball, uh, what helped you to readjust? Great question. I had to get into better shape. In high school, it was easy for me to get away with my size because it wasn't many people like me growing up. So when I got to college, you had people that were there two, three years before I got there and they were in the regiment. They were working out, they had muscle, they had the speed, they had the conditioning. So me, it was pretty much getting extra work in, losing extra, losing extra weight, doing extra after practice, before practice. And that kind of helped me transition to the practice and to the speed of the game because when I came in, I was behind. So when I got those things down packed and I started eating right, losing weight, gaining muscle, it helped me transition and follow the speed of the game. So overall, during your time at Mississippi State, you know, what did you learn from yourself during that transition and, and like reacclimating to the game of basketball, to this college game of basketball? I learned that I wasn't, I wasn't perfect. And I learned that I didn't have all the answers. In, in high school, it was kind of different because you're used to being that person that everybody comes to, everybody goes to. You're the main event, lean score, you go to college, everybody has the same accolade. You're gonna be on the team, people that have won championships just like you, player of the years, just like you. And it really tested my faith. Because when I got to college, I, I kind of lost myself in the sense of I wasn't playing. I wasn't getting on the court like I was used to. I wasn't scoring like I was used to. So during that transition time, it helped me build my faith. I had to really become one myself, get back into church, um, believing, trusting, praying. And that kind of like helped me start my process into becoming a better player by reevaluating myself, going through those hard times, getting knocked down to build myself back up. So moving forward, what led you to Jacksonville University? Uh, what led me to Jacksonville 
really was was the coach. Um, she hit me. Well, when you transfer schools, it's like the first week or two, your phone's on fire. You're getting calls from everywhere. Then you go into like this dead period where everybody is like getting recruited. Some people are not recruiting as much. And she literally called me every week. She was persistent. She showed interest. We talked on the phone all the time, text. And that kind of just showed me the type of person she was. And that really led me to go there. I wanted to go to a school where the coach cared, where the coach was a person that I can relate to, um, somebody I can look up to. And she, exceeds all of those expectations. She's a people person, she takes care of us. Um, our relationship is one that I have been, have, have had the pleasure of being a part of. Like she's an amazing coach. So so transitioning, you know, now you're at your uh, second university. How was that transition moving back to Florida uh, to play for Coach Yellow? Oh, it was horrible. <laughs> it, it, was, it was horrible. <laughs> It was horrible because I never realized how privileged we were being at a Power 5 school. Mm -hmm. And going to a mid-major, we didn't have the same the same things as far as we didn't travel on a private jet at JU. We didn't, we didn't go certain places. Like, I had the opportunity to go to Europe and Mississippi State, Puerto Rico. We didn't do that at JU. We had long bus rides. We had to share a gym. We didn't have a practice gym. We it was it was a big change for me and what I was used to, and that transition was probably the hardest. I thought it would be easy because I was from Florida. I'm like I'm from Florida, Jacksonville's down the road. It was a, a eye opener for me. I did not like it. I struggled a lot. I ended up getting injured um, there, so that really like took me downhill. I want to give up. I want to quit basketball altogether, honestly. Wow, so during that moment, you know, how did you pick yourself up from that moment? What did you learn about yourself during that time at Jacksonville? During that moment, I just had to look myself in, in the mirror. And I, my parents didn't raise a quitter. They didn't raise somebody to give up easily. And I had to gather myself together that this minor setback is made for a major comeback. And I know that sounds kind of cliche, but I really had to say that because the injury I had, you don't, I worked with my uh, hotel attendant. And that doesn't happen in younger players. It happens in, in older individuals. So to me, I'm looking at something that is very rare and either I can come back from it and be great or I can let the injury define me. And that that's what really set me apart. I had to act, I had to keep going. And I knew that my journey wasn't over. I knew that my story was far from done. So that helped me really push and, and keep and keep the hope alive that I'll be great. I'll be back to my regular self. What led you to Ole Miss? Simply the fact that my coach came here and this was more of my conference. Like the SEC is a conference full of all, all types of players. Big post players, stretch fours, amazing guards, whereas JU was a team full of guards. And at that time, me getting injured, me gaining my weight back, me being out of shape, I wasn't able to play like I wanted to. So you hear your coach getting a job at another university, and I had already put in my release. I, I knew I wasn't going to stay up the year at JU. And we got in contact and we talked about it. and. 
it made sense. We started a, a ride together. Why not finish it together? So that's pretty much it. I want to know, you know, you must have really had a lot of trust in your coach because even though you had a, you know, adverse situation at JU, you still followed her to Ole Miss, you know. How was that? How did that experience differ from JU to Ole Miss? It was, at, at first I had to realize, like, my journey isn't going to be easy because I haven't played in two years. So now I have to cram everything that I want to do into one year. And I have to realize I'm coming here. I got to be a leader. Nobody knows her system but me. I come here. I got to do more than I did in the last two years in one year. So at first, it was a pretty rocky transition. It was better for me because I'm back at the level that I started at. And I wasn't where I used to be. And my energy and my persona, everything about me changed. I wasn't... Droopy, I didn't dread going to practice. I didn't not want to wake up to do workouts or extra conditioning. I was doing it on my own because now I was where I wanted to be. So looking back at LaCare's freshman year at Mississippi State to the, now the graduate transfer at Ole Miss, you know, what did you see yourself? How, how did you see yourself change as a leader? I would say growth. Me going to, to three different universities, I learned a lot. I learned how to handle things. I learned how to approach different situations. I saw myself mature differently. I saw myself turn into someone who can relate to others. There's not many people out there that can sit up here and say, hey, I went to Mississippi State, JU, and back to SEC at Ole Miss. I played for two of the top universities in the state of Mississippi. And I, I, I got the opportunity to learn from some great coaches, some great assistant coaches. I met a lot of people. I made great connections. So for my freshman year, coming in as someone who knew nothing, and now to the fact that I've graduated with my master's degree and I've learned so much that I'm carrying out to the real world, it, it just shows how much growth. It shows how much, how much of the process helped me to get where I am now. What is one of the most important things you learned from Coach Yo as a person and as a player? I would say never let someone's definition of you define you. One thing about Coach Yo, she, she teaches, she develops, and she inspires. Um, no woman from the Bahamas has done and accomplished what she has. What she has. She's truly an inspiration. She relates to us. She's been in our shoes. I've learned to never give up. Anything is possible, especially in today's society you don't really see a lot of African-American women head coaches. And for her to be one in a Power Five conference at a point of time which were dominated by male coaches, it's amazing. And her ability just to use her platform to get um, social injustice and to Black uh, Black Lives Matter, like everything out, out and about. And, and leading protests and marches here on campus, it's just amazing. Like I've learned so much about her. I've learned how to be a better advocator. I've learned how to be a better leader, communicator, and just a, a team player. So, so looking forward, you know, what's next for LaCares? Right now, I'm really trying to get into coaching. You know, this pandemic has set a lot of things back. I had the opportunity to go overseas, but could not because due to the corona. So right now, I'm, I'm just trusting God, and I'm waiting. I'm not rushing anything. Whatever comes my way is meant for me. So right now you're older, 
a whole lot mature, you have a lot more experience. What is something that you would tell a younger yourself? Honestly, I, I would just tell them to, to be themselves. Like you don't have to fit in to be special. You don't have to do things that you're not supposed to do just to be in a crowd. Like I've, I have the pleasure of saying that I never got in trouble with playing basketball. I was never arrested, never got pulled over for a DUI, never failed a drug test. So it, it's just things like that. It's the little things like that that carry over into the real world. When you're talking about needing a reference, when you're talking about wanting to go into coaching, wanting to have a job, it's your reputation. And when you play this game, leave it all on the floor. Like you, you hear a lot of players say all the time, if I can go back for one day, the things I would do, when you get to the end of the road, you want to look back and say, I don't regret anything. I gave my all. I, I came in 100%, left at 100%. I left my blood, sweat, and tears all on the floor. Take advantage of this. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You're getting a full education, and all you have to do is make the grades and give your all in practice. I would tell them the sky is the limit. The harder you work, the better your results. It doesn't mean that you're not going to hit speed bumps. It doesn't mean that you're not going to fail, because you are. The thing is, what are you going to do after you fail? Are you going to try again, or are you going to be okay with failing? That, that's the biggest thing with our generation. Sometimes we give up when things don't go our way. But the thing is, can we be persistent? We got to keep pressing towards the mark. And I would tell anybody coming up under me, it's not going to be easy. And this pandemic isn't making it any easier. So really, it's about how, how bad do you want? How hard are you going to work to reach your goals? Is this something you want to do? And if you want to do it, give it your all. Regret nothing, leave everything on the floor. The title of our podcast is titled The Process Podcast. What does trust in the process mean to you? Trust in the process. What it means to me is no matter what comes your way, no matter what speed bump you may hit, no matter what door may be closed, you trust the process. You trust that it's the light at the end of the tunnel. I think about an example that, that was given a long time ago about a GPS. We put in our destination to a GPS and we expect that GPS to lead us to our destination. What we don't expect, we don't see is if it's gonna be a car accident. We don't see if that road is gonna be closed right away. We don't see if we gotta take a detour to move or get to it faster. We have the trust that we can get there. We have to trust that that GPS is going to take us where we need to go. That's the same way with the process. We don't know what's going to happen down the road. We don't know if we're going to get injured. We don't know if we're going to get another chance. We don't know if we're going to win, lose, or whatever. It's about trusting, having faith, believing, being confident, working hard. Going through those stages with your teammates. Going through those stages with life your family, your friends, relationships. Trusting the process is really just about going with the flow and working towards the mark. No matter what it is, never give up. I totally agree. I want to ask you, I wanna, first I want to thank you for joining us, you know, taking the time out uh, to share, drop some gems on us and share your story. But uh, do you have any lasting words that you want to leave with the listeners? I think it's a great pro uh, podcast to listen to. I really like it. Trusting the process, that, that's, a, that's a great standpoint. 
I think a lot of young individuals should listen to these podcasts. Um, learn from the OGs. Learn from the people that have been in your shoes. Learn from the people that have done what you that what you want to do and are where you want to go. Like these gems that we're dropping to these young individuals and even older individuals, they can be used at any time. So I think you guys are doing a great job. I appreciate you all contacting me. I feel so special. Uh, I was going to ask, uh, where can the listeners find you if they want to reach out for motivational speaking or, you know, if they just want to keep up with what you have going on, where can they find you? Oh, you can follow me on Instagram and on Twitter at BigTicket underscore 44. You can follow me on Facebook at Karis Salter. Uh, you can hit me up anytime. I respond to DMs. Not all of them, but I, I'm saying I respond to DMs. <laughs> this episode was brought to you by Overcome Achieve Clothing. Allow what you have overcome to fuel the flame of persistence as you face and conquer your next challenge. Wear your truth, overcome. I think the main thing for me was trying to decide on who am I and like what I want to be and how I want to be remembered. Like that was my thing. You know, oftentimes I think about like my legacy and like the mark that I want to leave, not only on the industry, but the effect that I want to leave on people. Being a whole human being, going through my obstacles, going through the things that I'm going through and not to only broadcast these things, but for it to inspire change.